Hi, everybody. Welcome to It's in the Book. I'm your host, Kelly, and I am tremendously grateful that you are joining me for yet another episode. You could be doing anything else. You could be listening to anything else, but you are here with me seeking revelation, confirmation, and affirmation from the Word of God. Again, tremendous thanks. Oh, my goodness. It's been a week, y'all. Busy, busy, busy. But I am back to talk to y'all today. I'm so excited about this word that the Lord has given me. He's been downloading so many things to me. And I just love hearing from him. Like, I just love having time with him, having time to talk to him, having time to, uh, I don't know, you know, just kind of listen in on what it is that he's saying. I'm, 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 I'm always like so grateful that he trusts me, you know, trusts me enough to talk to me, trust me enough to give me instruction and that he trusts me with y'all. Like that's a pretty big deal, you know? that he speaks to me on behalf. He, he gives me a word to give to you. Um, that's a blessing. That blesses me tremendously. So without further ado, we're going to get into this word, okay? Then we're I'm going to tag a title to this, then we're going to get into prayer, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that the Lord has shown me and been speaking to me about over the past week. All right, let's get into this word. So today's scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19. I'm reading from the New King James as usual. Okay, verse 19. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. I'm going to tag a title to this and the title is Like Water. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you so much for yet another opportunity to speak to your people. God, we are on episode 17, and I'm so grateful for that because I I couldn't even see my way past episode one, God. And so in your magnificent wisdom, God, you saw fit to bring me this far. So God, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. God, I I invite you in. I invite you in, Holy Spirit, into me to use me as a willing vessel to speak for you, to speak on your behalf. God, if you would just fill me up so that there is no room for me, squeeze out anything that is of me and not of you. God, purify me as as much as as possible god that i might bring the authentic word of god to your people on this day in jesus name amen so samuel was a prophet of the lord and um, one one of the things I always found interesting about Samuel and by the way you probably hear the pages of my bible turning in the background is his mother Hannah desperately wanted a son and she prayed and prayed and prayed and God opened her womb and gave her a son. And before she got pregnant, she promised that she would dedicate her son back to the Lord. And she did just that. And uh, he was essentially an, um, 
an apprentice of Eli, who was judging Israel at the time. And there was a time when Eli was aging and the Lord essentially, uh, I don't know that he removed his anointing from Eli, but um, the Lord had kind of already warned Eli uh, about his family because his boys, his sons, they were out of control. Um, they were, his sons were very corrupt. And so the, if we look at first uh, Samuel chapter three, verse one, it says, now the boy Samuel ministered to, ministered to the Lord before Eli and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while e- Eli was lying down in his place. And when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. And before the lamp of God went out of the tavern in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was. And while Samuel was lying down that the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. Samuel actually answered thinking that it was Eli calling him. Um, And this happened a few times. And then finally, Eli peeped game and was like, oh, he's hearing from the Lord. And so he said, next time, next time you hear this voice, say to the Lord, speak for your servant hears. And so that's what happened. Then the final time that he heard this voice, Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. And the Lord began to speak to Samuel continually. And so when we get to verse 19, where it says, uh, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. This speaks to authenticity. When When the Bible says that the Lord was with him, it wasn't just that the hand of the Lord was with him, but the Lord was literally in his mouth. Well, (laughs) figuratively in his mouth, right? So the Lord is speaking through him, right? So when it says um, he let none of his words fall to the ground, that means that everything that Samuel said came to pass because the Lord was with him. So the Lord spoke through him. This is what it looks like for the Lord. This is what it looked like for the Lord to be with Samuel. The Lord spoke through him so that none of his words ever uh, were lies. It was pure prophecy, came directly from the Lord. It was pure prophecy. I called today's episode Like Water because the Lord gave me a a dream, and and I have a, a lot of dreams. Every night I actually pray that the Lord would give me dreams, and then I get up in the morning, and if I've forgotten it, I pray that the Lord will return it to me. Um, And then I pray that the Lord helps me with interpretation. Dreams are very important. God speaks to us in dreams um, oftentimes because that's like one of the few times when we're not distracted. Uh, But God speaks to us in dreams to communicate warnings, to communicate instruction, to communicate, um, you know, lots of different things. And so I always ask the Lord to speak to me through my dreams. And on this particular night, God gave me a dream and he gave me an interpretation um, that was confirmed later on. I won't get into too much. Uh, I won't get into how it was confirmed because I will be here talking for the next three birthdays. But I want to share with you this dream because it perfectly ties into the message that the Lord gave me to deliver to you. So here is or here are the details of the dream. I was carrying three bottles of water. Oh, and if it sounds like I'm reading, I am. I had to write this down. <laughs> I was carrying three bottles of water, one purified and unopened, 
another opened and not in a water labeled bottle. It was in a, a soda bottle. And the last um, was in a uh, water labeled bottle that looked exactly the same as the first bottle, except this bottle had no cap. So just for the sake of saying, you know, we'll just name a brand um, for the sake of you knowing. We'll call it, uh, I don't know, what's a water brand? We'll say Niagara. I love Niagara water. That's my favorite. Target makes good water too. Okay. Good and gather. They got some good water. Okay. So, um, so there's a bottle of uh, Niagara water and it's got a Niagara label on it and it's got a cap and it's sealed. This bottle's unopened. There's another Niagara bottle. It's full of water, but it's got no cap whatsoever. And then there's a soda bottle. Okay. And that soda bottle has, um, you know, it has a label on it that lists like a bunch of different flavors. Okay. Um, and what's in that soda bottle is tap water. Now, in this dream, my husband drank from the soda bottle, the one that's filled with tap water and has all these different flavors listed on the label. I was upset with him and I asked, do you know what you're drinking? And he said, no. So what the Lord revealed to me is that the three bottles of water represent three um, approaches to faith. And my husband actually represents the church and the cap represents sin. So the purified and unopened water is the authentic gospel that comes directly from God's word and from relationship, right, with the Lord, with Jesus Christ. The lid or the cap must be removed to enjoy it. Now, it's going to resist. Okay, because it's never been opened before. So that cap's going to resist a little bit, but we can overcome it. And, you know, with increased pressure and with perseverance, we can overcome and enjoy the purity of the water. The, the Niagara bottle that has no cap, that one looks exactly like the other bottle of water, but it isn't. Now, if you care about what you're putting in your body, you're not going to drink from that because you're thinking, I don't know where that came from. It ain't got no cap on it. I mean, yeah, it says it's a Niagara water, but who knows what could be in that bottle, right? So you're not going to drink from it. It looks suspicious to you. But the desperately thirsty will drink from it. It's really easy to get to that water because you don't have to remove a cap. You just can drink it, get to it quickly. The soda bottle with the tap water, it actually represents the way we're doing church right now. It represents Christian religion. It's a relationship that is polluted by a bunch of other worldviews, church traditions, and human understanding. The church believes it's good enough for them because they're thirsty and they know water is the best choice. The cap is taken off and put back on at will because those who drink from it don't desire to repent. They have settled for lives in which they make sin a bedfellow to which they return after they've left their places of worship. 
Now, this is the one from which my husband, who represents the church here, drank. So what the Lord was showing me um, is that there is a need for that unsealed Niagara bottle of water. There's a need for that right now. There is a need for authenticity and purity in doctrine. Our churches now, when we're not being given, when we're not being spoon-fed a motivation doctrine, when we're not being spoon-fed a prosperity doctrine, we are being fed something that is that has a bunch of traditions and worldviews and other people's personal moral values and beliefs mixed up in there. And so what you get from that is misteaching or when it comes to like a motivation doctrine and a prosperity doctrine, you get very little teaching. You know, if you want motivation, you can go sit in and watch Tony Robbins. I mean, it's probably more expensive to do that because church is free, but you don't need church for motivation. Matter of fact, Jesus wasn't a motivational speaker. He came to teach people about their sin and love. And of course, you know, forgiveness, but forgiveness is part of love. But Jesus came to bring truth, not what makes us feel good. So there is a real need for both purity and authenticity in the doctrines that are being taught in our places of worship. One of the ways to know if uh, you're getting a motivation doctrine or a prosperity doctrine is if you're getting a lot of optimism and You've not had, if you've not been confronted with sin, let's say you never leave church feeling convicted. You never leave church feeling like there's some part of you that needs correction. You never leave church feeling like you're different than you were last year. And that's another thing you can look at. You can just look at the fruit. Look back over the amount of time, the length of time that you've been a member at this particular place of worship. And ask yourself, are you in the same place you were last year? Now, maybe financially you are, but maybe not spiritually. Maybe spiritually you've grown. Maybe some things have happened. Maybe maybe you've accelerated, you know? Um, maybe something snapped into place for you, or maybe they haven't. If every time you leave church, you feel empowered. There's nothing wrong with empowerment. But if you go into church and you don't ever have to face your sin, if you're going to a church where you're not being challenged to confront the things that you do wrong, the things that you do that don't please the Lord, then you're getting a motivation doctrine. You're getting a prosperity doctrine. Because the thing about motivation doctrine is they don't ever have to teach you what you're doing wrong or what you're doing that affects your soul. What they teach you is what you're doing wrong that affects your business. 
that affects your growth uh, professionally, that affects your growth financially, or maybe even that affects your growth in uh, relationships, right? That's another. That's a. That's part of that prosperity doctrine too. Prosperity doctrine in terms of relationships. Everybody want to be married. Nothing wrong with wanting to be married. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I love being married. Love my husband. We've been together for what's this year? Twenty twenty four. We've been together for. We've been married at this point for eighteen years. We've been together for almost twenty one years. I love my husband to death. I love being married specifically to him. Right. But, you know, when you are kind of desperately seeking a thing and, and by the way, not everybody who wants to be married is desperate, but I'm saying if you are desperately seeking that, all right, this applies to you, you're desperately seeking marriage. Then sometimes what happens is a, uh, when we're desperately seeking anything, not just marriage, but when we're desperately seeking anything, we end up uh, feeling empowered by a prosperity doctrine and trying to do all the steps that we're taught in the prosperity doctrine, and then they don't pan out. They don't work. Why? Because you, you didn't do the one thing you needed to do, which was to grow your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, you're not really learning about closeness. You're not really learning about relationship. You're not really learning about um, how your sin and unrepented sin. Let's go with let's let's talk about that. How your unrepented sin is affecting your relationship. These things matter a lot, and so again, there's nothing wrong with your church with with your teachers motivating you. There's nothing wrong with your teachers uh, teaching you how to prosper, right? God desires, you know, uh, the Lord said he's given us the power to obtain wealth. He, he does not desire that nobody prosper and wealth in a variety of ways, right? Wealth financially, wealth in relationships, uh, wealth professionally. He desires to give, to, to make us prosper, but that doctrine is watered down if it's not it's not an authentic gospel it's not a pure gospel if it is more motivation and less relationship the church is the place where the sick are both diagnosed and healed but we're getting into the church diagnosing ourselves before we even get there we can't go to church always thinking that we know exactly what our problem is because when we get there, we're closed off to anything else. We're only looking to get what we believe our problem is fixed as opposed to opening ourselves up, being receptive, having a posture of receptivity so that we can address, uh, so that we can be accurately diagnosed by somebody who might know uh, who might be a little more rooted and grounded in their word, who might spend a little more time studying and understanding, who might have a stronger sense of discernment. But I don't want to get into too much into that. Uh, primarily, the purpose of today's message is we have got to get back to the authentic gospel of Jesus Christ. We have got to get back to purity in prophecy, purity in prophetic utterances. 
your prophetic words or the prophetic words that you receive should not be, um, I don't want necessarily want to use the word polluted, but I will because I've used it already. They should not be polluted by the prophet's own thoughts. They should not be polluted by the prophet's own feelings. They shouldn't be. Um, when that happens, it, it's 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 not as you know what the Bible says about Samuel, which is that uh, the Lord let none of His words fall to the ground. No, some of that prophecy is going to fall to the ground, if not all of it, because it wasn't pure prophecy. It wasn't pure prophecy. It was polluted by. Um, or mixed in there were somebody were the prophet's own thoughts, own beliefs, own understanding of uh, the situation. I want to give you an example in scripture of a, a prophet named Micaiah. Micaiah the prophet, you'll find him in First Kings twenty-two. I want to look at verses seven and eight, and then. Um, and then we'll go to uh, verse. I always know where I want to start. Then I get into the word and I'm like, I want to add this to um, verse 19. So we'll do first Kings 22 verses seven to eight and then first Kings 22, 19. So verse seven and eight says, and Jehoshaphat said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So the king of Israel, now this is Ahab, Jezebel's husband, Jezebel's king. Uh, so the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is still one man, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. So what Ahab um if you're familiar with Jezebel, then you know that Ahab, as her husband, he is surrounded by false prophets constantly, just as she was, and you know was a false prophet herself, according to the Book of Revelations. But Ahab is surrounded by false prophets, and these are prophets of Baal. So, not only were they saying what Baal instructed them to say, but they have, um, but there was, they were saying whatever they thought Ahab wanted to hear. Okay. And we know that because Ahab said those are the only ones he listened to. He don't want to listen to Micaiah because Micaiah doesn't ever prophesy any good concerning him, only evil. Okay. So take a look at Micaiah, uh, first Kings 22, going to go to verse 19. Then Micaiah said, so, so Jehoshaphat tells Ahab, listen, don't say that. Let's get Micaiah. So Ahab calls for Micaiah. Micaiah comes. All the other prophets are still prophesying. Okay. And then we get to verse 19. Then Micaiah said, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And therefore, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Um, And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Now, Micaiah was hated by Ahab because Micaiah prophesied what Ahab considered evil. But if you continue to read what happened to Micaiah, I mean, I'm sorry, not what happened to Micaiah, but what happened to Ahab, you would see that Micaiah prophesied truth concerning Ahab and his outcome of uh, his battle with um, Syria for Ramoth. Micaiah is the ideal He is the picture-perfect example of purity and prophecy. Despite the fact that it cost him physical pain because one of the false prophets actually slapped your boy. Oh my gosh. Like, (laughs) crazy. One of the false prophets actually slapped him. But uh, Ahab put Micaiah, had Micaiah thrown in uh, prison. And so we see in Micaiah an understanding that his prophetic utterances needed to be pure and they needed to be authentic and they needed to come from the Lord. And they could not be polluted by Micaiah's feelings for Ahab, whether or not Micaiah agreed with Ahab, um, by Micaiah's own thoughts, they could not be polluted by any of that. It had to be the word of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord for the church of today. We have got to be in our Bibles. That is not just the teachers. That's not just the preachers. That's not just whoever's in the pulpit delivering uh, the word to you. We, as the body, the believers, the congregation, the flock, we need to be in our word. We have to do this. We can't continue to be upset with people, people in the pulpit lying to us when we make ourselves vulnerable to lies. And how do we make ourselves vulnerable to lies? We don't know the truth. Yes, you should be able to sit underneath a shepherd and expect that he is speaking truth to you. But 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Study. You study. I study. We study. We have a responsibility to know the word of God so that when we are being told falsehoods, we can determine that for ourselves. We will have been able to rightly divide the word of truth so that when someone is, is, is feeding us uh, uh, malarkey, then We can make a decision about whether or not this is the right place for us to be, whether or not this is the right house for us to be, whether or not this is the right shepherd to lead us. But we cannot continue to be upset with these people who, yeah, they're going to see a judgment for teaching us falsely. They're going to see that. But 
we cannot be willfully and woefully ignorant. We have got to be studying our word. We've got to be studying the word of God. We have to. We have to, we have to, we have to. We are in perilous times. We are in perilous times. And we need to know who we serve. And we cannot know who we serve without being in this book. It is urgent. It is an urgent matter to be reading our Bibles. And now, I mean, I can understand being a person who can't read, you know, um, but I don't know if you get the Bible app, you could listen to it. I know lots of people who struggle to read. I know lots of grown adults who struggle to read. It is a reality, but there are tools for that. There are lots of tools to help with that. While it would be ideal for us to have the, while, while it would be ideal for us to have right teaching, it's not reality. Some of us are getting right teaching and some of us aren't. And some of us don't know we're not getting right teaching. I've said this before, if you're not in your Bible, you are a fan of your pastor. You just listening to him, her, whoever, just listening to them, letting them tell you whatever, and you're none the wiser because you won't just pick up your Bible and read it. I know people don't have time. I know people work. I know everybody can't just sit down and read the Bible for hours, but, and I know that it requires like a hunger and a thirst, right? I I am aware. I'm aware of that. There was a season of my life when every time I sat down to read the Bible, I would get sleepy. However, I recognize now that that was Satan. He didn't want me to read my word. He didn't want me to read my word. And of course, yeah, there were times when I was just genuinely tired. Like I would just be running around all day. But those days when I didn't have any reason to be sitting there falling asleep, like it'd be the middle of the day and I'm trying to sit down and read my Bible and all of a sudden I can't stay awake. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. He don't want me. He don't want us to read. He don't want us to know because then we'll be set free. When we start adding knowledge knowledge of God, knowledge of his workings, knowledge of his character, when we edify ourselves with that, then there are certain problems, certain things that we experience that just disappear. Because a lot of times the things that we're facing, they're attacks from the enemy because of ignorance. The enemy attacks those areas of our lives we just don't know how to address those areas of our lives where we feel vulnerable and you all, we are vulnerable. Anywhere we are ignorant, we are vulnerable. That's a, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of it right now. <laughs> but whenever we are ignorant in a certain area, that's an area where the enemy will often attack us because we can't see we can't see him at work and we cannot see our way out of that situation because we don't have the knowledge. But once you start adding knowledge to yourself, you'll be able to start seeing things like 
teachers, preachers, prophets lying to you. Or, or, or maybe not just straight up lying because I don't think people, I don't think, I I would like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I don't think people are intentionally lying to you in the pulpit. Some people might be, you know, I don't think everybody's, I don't think everybody who's misteaching you or misinforming you is doing that intentionally. Sometimes people just use the scripture to, uh, you know, they, they teach scripture according to how it applies to their own lives. What I try to deliver are testimonies, but I also just come directly out of the word of God when I come onto this show. So it's important as we, it's important to be in your word so that when people are misteaching you, you can go back and get the right teaching, not for you to go back and correct them. I mean, you, I don't, I don't know if you want to do that. You maybe you could, maybe you have that kind of relationship with them, but not so that you can go back and correct them, but so that you can get correct teaching. God has shown me a great many things over the past week and a half. Um, He's been speaking to me for months about some of the things that he's concerned about in terms of the church. And there's not a lot that I'm at liberty to say, but I do know that this word he wants y'all to have authentic Bible living. You should be learning the scriptures so that you can live according to the scriptures. You should be studying this New Testament so that you can live according to the New Testament. Now, study the Old Testament too, because you need to know the history of the faith. Nothing has sharpened my faith. I mean, besides relationship with the Lord, but in terms of learning, that Old Testament sharpens my faith because I watch God do for people who we know didn't deserve it. He calls them, those are his chosen people. And in the, in the same way he calls them his chosen, he calls them a stiff-necked people. They were extremely disobedient. They could never walk up right before him. Like They would do it for a little while and then return to idols. They'd do it for a little while longer and then just submit to their own vile passions. God has made it very clear, authentic Bible living, and you and I cannot live according to the Bible if we don't read it. Every bit of instruction that you need for living, loving, and leading like Jesus is in the book. So I encourage you, I implore you, I beg you, get into your scriptures get into your word. No, be able to test and prove if somebody's feeding you misinformation or if what somebody's teaching you applies to them and not you. Because sometimes that's all it is. It's not necessarily a lie. It's not necessarily misinformation. It's not necessarily bad teaching. Sometimes, sometimes what their teaching applies to their lives and just doesn't necessarily apply to yours. You got to learn how to chew out the meat, chew the meat and spit out the bones. So there's that too. But, but if you get into this book and you allow the Holy Spirit to teach you what it is he's saying 
in these scriptures and how he wants that scripture, that word to show up in your life, you will, your walk, your relationship with Christ will not only be, um, you'll not only have an intimate relationship with, with Christ, but it'll be pleasing to the Lord. I know that it's hard to develop the discipline and for some of us to develop the desire to sit down and read the Bible. And sometimes I think that has to do with interpretation. Maybe you, uh, not interpretation, but um, translation. So maybe you need to just get a translation that works for you. Maybe you need to get a translation that you um, understand. I teach my kids using the ICB, the International Children's Bible. And I mean, for some of us, for those of us who are new to reading scripture, maybe the ICB translation is what you need. It's not baby talk. You know, I use it with my 15-year-old and it helps. So maybe you need ICB. Um, there are lots of different translations of the Bible that you can read to help you um, understand more. The message is a good one. Uh, if you're looking at the New Testament, the Passion Translation is a good one. But ultimately, the point here is that you have to be in your word. And I think I say that at least once every episode. You have to be in your word. And and what you've been hearing lately you know, on each episode, when I say you have to be in your word, you're hearing from me. But I'm telling you, on this day, in the year of our Lord, 2024, 5784, that God has said he wants us to live according to the Bible. God has said he wants purity and authenticity in the doctrine that is being taught in the house, in the in, in these places of worship. And so if you have a church that you really love, but you don't think that's what you're getting, go home and get into your book and and get the authentic word for yourself. Get that authenticity on your own. Get that purity on your own. But we gotta stop. We 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 have to stop adding our own little flair, our own little spin, our own little razzle-dazzle onto the Word of God. God has said He is not pleased with that. He don't want anything polluting His Word. He wants us to read it, to know it, and to live by it. And that's it. Anything else is 2 Corinthians 11.4. It's another Jesus. It's another gospel. And we rebuke it. We rebuke it. All right, y'all, I'm going to pray us out. Um, Because I've been on here way too long today. Uh, But I want to pray for us. Okay? All right, let's get into it. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you for every single one of my listeners today, God. You've been so good, so kind, so gracious, and so merciful to me, God. And you have blessed me with listeners who are loyal, who are dedicated, who 
always send me beautiful feedback that encourages me and helps me grow. God, so would you bless them a hundredfold for the blessing that they've been to me just by tuning in each week, God? Would you bless them a hundredfold? An abundance of the intangible, oh God, would you give them an abundance of love, joy, and above all peace? God, would you bless them with wisdom and discernment? God, would you would you bless them with an increase in their knowledge and their understanding of scripture, God, would you, would you bless them with an ability, God, to go back through your word and sort through the scriptures, God, to study, to show themselves approved unto God. Um, Lord, would you bless them with the, um, with an ear, with an ear, God, to hear when scripture is being, um, manipulated or when it's not pure or when it's inauthentic, God, would you give them an ear to hear? God, and would you give them discretion and discipline and a bridal tongue, God, so that they won't, you know, take maybe something that they've heard that isn't correct and bash or hurt or or uh, say anything unkind against the teacher, God, but that they would correct themselves, that they would course correct, God, that they would take what they've learned that is uh, take what they've learned and run with it, Lord, that they would live according to what they've learned from your word and from relationship with the Holy Spirit, from their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, I thank you. And Lord, if any of my listeners are called to uh, speak to their leadership, God, and say, hey, you know, maybe this wasn't correct, or hey, I have a different understanding than what you taught, God, would you give them the words to say it gently? Would you give them a soft answer to deliver, Lord, so that they won't, um, so that they won't uh, destroy a relationship that they have with a shepherd who's been good to them, God, so that they won't, uh, so that there will be no collapse or breakdown in the relationship they have with a shepherd who is truly trying to teach the authentic gospel, God. So Lord, I thank you so much. Um, I thank you so much for these people, Lord. I thank you so much for um, longevity, Lord. Episode 17 feels, um, it, it feels like a, a, a it, it, to me, it feels like a lifetime, Lord. And I feel very blessed to be this far, Lord. So I thank you and I praise you. I speak a blessing over the lives of every single one of these listeners, God. Again, Lord, 100-fold in Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, I gotta go. You gotta go. Um, I, again, am always tremendously grateful for y'all listening. It blesses me, you know, um, and, and I hope that this, I hope that these shows bless, that this show blesses you. Um, I hope it teaches you. I hope it simplifies things. I hope it encourages you to really get into your word, to really get into your Bible. Um, I hope you leave here. I hope after these uh, streams end that you feel inspired and that you feel like you want to go and you want to get into your Bible and you want to understand more. Um, yeah, I, I hope that that's the experience that you have. And again, you know, I think I may have said this on another one of my episodes. When I say you, I'm really not talking about you in particular. Like, I hope y'all know that it's all love. I love you tremendously. Um, you know, I know it ain't you because if you listen to this, then it ain't you, right? Uh, but I, I, you know, you is just a it's just a general term that I tend to use. So uh, please charge it to my head and not my heart. I try to always make sure that I include me in there too. (laughs) 
because uh, before I brought this to you, the Lord brought it to me. So, um, yeah, so have a wonderful day. Uh, Whenever you're listening to this, I hope that your day is blessed and I hope that you see God in everything. And I hope that everyone who has an encounter with you has an encounter with the true and living God. And I hope that somewhere in today, you have an encounter with the true and living God as well. Okay. All right. Love you. Bye.